0: I believe. Okay, well, (laughs) welcome back to the Be Her Village podcast. I am Caitlin McGreis, and I am here today with Marissa Hughes, licensed clinical social worker, maternal mental health specialist, and trauma specialist. She is doing really incredible things in uh, the Florida area with birth trauma and creating birth circles and events, and we're going to talk to her today all about how to uh, prepare ourselves for our birth and how to avoid trauma if possible. Can't wait to talk about that. And certainly Mm -hmm. how to handle trauma once we experience it and what our next steps can be. Thank you so much for joining me today, Marissa.
1: Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. This is just such a deep passion of mine. And, you know, to me, talking about and normalizing that birth trauma exists is really important because I think it's one of those things, like we see the picture of the, the mom and the baby, and it's like, you know, baby and the weight and all of the things, and then we don't know all of the details behind it. And so my vision is to like, let this be something that brings that behind the scenes forward and makes it more real for everybody.
0: That's really beautiful. And I, that's actually right where I kind of want to start, because I think as a birth worker and as someone who has given birth three times... To me, it's like, yeah, we have to talk about birth trauma, of course. But I think that there's probably people listening to this that are thinking, birth trauma, what are you talking about? It's going to be the best day of my life. Like, I'm so excited to give birth. Why would you talk about trauma? And why is it going to be traumatic? And, you know, and, and actually feeling like they need to shy away and like shut this off. And that sounds like we're inserting negativity into our experience. And so I would love to like actually start there. Why are we talking about birth trauma and why is what's supposed to be the best day of our lives and is for many people is why are we talking about trauma wrapped up
1: with birth? So before I even start, I think normalizing that it can be the best day of your life and one of the most traumatic days of your life, all in the same thing, you know, like, like a lot of things we, we think of, like, can't coexist. Trauma can coexist with, oh my God, you brought your baby into this world. And so, you know, preparation for birth in my opinion, and I personally, like I did hypnobirthing lessons and all of those things when I was preparing for my first birth. And I've had two births now. One was a vaginal birth and one was a C-section. And so I've kind of experienced both sides of the of the coin, if you will. And, you know, the first, I had all these natural goals and when i was going to birth classes and all of the things that i was witnessing were these beautiful water births and these beautiful things that could could be possible and what happened for me and why i'm so passionate about sharing this knowledge is it skewed my perception and expectation to this has to be the way that this goes for me and if it doesn't how you know like i couldn't even like wrap my brain around it not going that way Mm -hmm. and you know when you look at from a maternal mental health perspective and perinatal mood disorder training that i've gotten they speak about how you're more statistically likely to have trauma post-birth the further away from your expectations that your birth goes so when we talk about preparing for birth yes go to those birth classes yes Take in, you know, hypnobirthing courses if that's where your mind goes or if that's what you want. Embrace the goal, the vision. But, you know, I always suggest, like, instead of it being a birth plan, where it's like a plan, it's exactly like what's happening, making it more flexible. Like, this is like my ideal birth. This is what I would like to happen. But to prepare and prevent birth trauma, we want to manage the expectations that birth is is like one of the most human natural things that happens however a lot of times our bodies don't always go the way as naturally if you will as you know we're told in the books and as we're told in the birth classes as they're supposed to go you know sometimes our water doesn't naturally break and sometimes we need intervention that we don't want and i'm sure some people listening who are like in that real like you know, organic hippie mama phase are like, oh, I'm already done listening to this. And I, and I get that because when I was in that phase too, I didn't want to hear that it could go a different way. You know, and so I honor and I respect that what we're talking about can be triggering, especially in prep for birth. But I invite everyone who's listening, if we are triggering a little bit of that, to keep listening and to have an open mind to the idea of you can have your desires, you can have how you hope your birth's going to go, but managing those expectations and being open to being flexible and willing to say, you know what, like I have to know that birth is also about surrender and letting go and realizing that I can only control what I can control and then the rest is up to the universe or however you choose to embrace letting go of control because, you know, that's, that's the entry into parenting, right? Like we think we have control, but it's really about like we do what we can and we get educated on what we can. And, but, you know, we take charge where we can, but it's also about surrender. You know, we want our kids to be this certain way and then they come out and they're their own person and we mm-hmm. have to accept that and surrender. So birth to me is one of the first spaces where women learn to surrender. And the work that I do in birth preparation with people is all about Managing those expectations. You can have those hopes, but the further from those expectations your birth goes, if you have very rigid expectations, the more likely it is to be experienced as traumatic in your brain. And so we want to prevent that by talking about the ways it could go, you know, and of course we hope that it's blissful and you know, orgasmic and all those amazing things that people talk about. But when it doesn't go that way, we also want to normalize that. Because I remember in my experience, like I felt I watched all the all the natural birthing things and I felt so much shame. Like I, I didn't bear through and you know I went and got the epidural and it only worked halfway. So what was the point? You know, like like so it's like if you if you normalize that things don't always go as you expect. I think it opens space where the trauma doesn't have to be as jarring versus like really, really being rigid and fixed and this is how it's gonna go. Does that yeah. answer that question? It absolutely
0: does. And I think um, I think it really hits the nail on the head is this, this expectation when we have this narrow vision of what our birth will look like, we're much more likely to be disappointed. Um, and I think, Also, there's this thing about birth in that it reveals us in ways that are beautiful and also deeply uncomfortable if we haven't done some of that emotional work beforehand, because not everybody has that capacity for flexibility. Not everybody has that capacity for surrender or letting go of controlling the things we can't control Um, So there is absolutely benefit to examining some of these things and doing this emotional labor before you even become pregnant or before you give birth, because the truth of it is, is that during your birth, and I don't want to say during your labor, because some people the labor that they go through is actually like the emotional turmoil as they're making decisions in these Mm -hmm. final days and weeks of pregnancy, conversations with their doctor, figuring out if they need to have a C-section or an induction and, and it can feel really overwhelming. And if we don't have those tools that are probably, and we're going to get into it, the similar to the tools that you use to handle your birth trauma, if you end up being traumatized. Um, But there's also the doula part of me is thinking so much of what we have to figure out during our pregnancy and during our preparation is what we actually can control and what we can't because yes. because you can 100 percent control many of the things that are surrounding you know you can control whether you get exams you can control where you give birth and who supports you and you can build your support team to optimize your experience and you can lessen your likelihood of interventions by choosing midwifery or by choosing a certain hospital with a culture towards, you know, that sort of birth that you're wanting. And it is important, you know, this is how I counsel people. It's important to see what birth you want and what birth your provider is used to supporting and making sure they're as close as possible. Yes. That being said, there are people who do that work, who hire the midwives, who choose their birth location, who hire a doula, who take the classes, who learn the hypnosis. And then things just go sideways. You either are someone who takes a really long time to to labor. That's just some people physiologically, it takes them days, you know, Mm -hmm. or, you know, something's going on with the baby or something's going on with you. And it requires interventions you weren't prepared for. And it's so important to have that idea of like, this can go a different way. And, and having your idea of your birth, maybe not hinge on the medical interventions, but more about, How you feel at your birth. That's like one of the things I always like to ask people is how do you want to feel at your birth? What is, if you have the perfect birth, you know, let's just pretend like all of the restrictions and insurance and what's available, like put that out of your head and like what will you feel like? What does your birth look like? Who's in the room? How does it feel? And people start describing like, music and soft touch and some people want it bright and sunny and some people want popsicles there you know and like there's just this beautiful feeling that we get for our birth and and there's so much that we can't control sometimes it is actually the feeling that we can focus on versus whether we need an induction or whether we need a c-section or whether baby you know is in distress those are things that aren't necessarily ever going to be in our control um,
1: yeah. And just that, that just triggered so much to my brain of like, number one, you know, I am that mom who had both of those plans. Like I did the thing, had the midwife, had all the things, and then it went sideways both times both different ways, you know, you know, like we even planned a gentle C-section because he was breech and my second one. And like, literally we had the the drape down and then he was born not breathing and they pulled the drape up and the whole gentle C-section didn't even happen. And you know, so it's like, you can plan, but that's if everything's okay with the baby. That's if everything's okay with you. And with my first, I wound up with horrible infections following and you know 14 weeks of of healing and you know things that you can't plan for and so i speak to this point of not to scare anyone but to normalize it and the other piece of the puzzle is if you have a history of sexual trauma birth going into birth without having worked on that It's like you're you're wide open, you're vulnerable, physically wide open, emotionally open, raw to the core. And so healing sexual trauma, I mean, any trauma, of course, but I think sexual is very, very triggered in intervention, medical, people touching you, people coming in and out, all of those things. And so that's a really important layer as well as COVID right now and how that's limiting this vision that you have of like, you know, your. are in the room and your sister in the room and all the loved ones and then it's really only your partner and maybe it's not your partner because you have kids and they can't even be there you know and so I think it's also managing the life that we're in right now in this COVID mentality and history of trauma and all of those pieces that also impact even before birth comes what comes up and what you're dealing with and mindset prep around all of those things i think can lead to helping prevent birth trauma even though like it you know like that might mean grieving that all the people you wanted in the room couldn't be and then for introverts like me like with my first i was like i don't want anyone in the room but my husband like It would have been a great out to be like, no one's allowed. And it's not me telling you, you know, like I had to be like, I'm sorry. I don't want anyone here, (laughs) you know? So for some people, this is giving them an out and for others, it's a major grief, you know? And so I think speaking of, you know, COVID and what that trauma is bringing, as well as any history of sexual trauma, being able to process, explore the feelings around that grieve and, you know, have support around that leading up to birth can really help manage those expectations and minimize or decrease the birth trauma potential that's there.
0: And I just want to, I love that point. And I, I have to say, I did not realize how much uh, sexual assault trauma there is until I started doula work. And it's, Deeply disturbing to me how many women are walking around with a history of sexual assault, which I think has come to light certainly with the Me Too movement and other you know yeah. things in the past few years. You know I watch movies from like 15 years ago and it's like oh wow that wouldn't even remotely fly now. So I think we've culturally we've made a shift, um, but it's it's really awful to watch women uh navigate their births with that history especially the unhealed wounds the ones that haven't even actually verbalized or told us uh, anyone about what has happened mm-hmm. to them um, to watch them navigate i also want to um speak to the fact that as we're talking about this this is not like it's not just for people who are planning natural epidural free births you can mm-hmm. you can have Trauma and have to address it in order to have a super empowered healing birth. And that sometimes looks like planning a c section at 37 weeks. Mm -hmm. That sometimes looks like, you know, telling your doctor exactly what you need and want, which might not have anything to do with the vaginal birth, which is okay. And this is certainly not, I know that the two of us, and I just want to make it very clear for anyone listening that this is not about how to have a natural birth with trauma it's or mm-hmm. without trauma sorry <laughs> nobody's wanting i think nobody's wanting a, a traumatic birth is probably a, a safe statement um but there are many many ways to give birth with power and with healing and um with say an agency in your birth and yeah. sometimes it certainly looks like um opting for an induction or opting for a cesarean or kind of getting that control back in whatever yes. form that we have it.
1: And can I speak to that as well? Because I think there's this like movement towards natural birth where it creates a lot of shame around, you know, well, what if I just, I plan on going in with a C-section or I plan on going in with an induction or I plan on going in and getting the um, epidural immediately. Like there's no shame in that. And I think unfortunately, sometimes in society, like, there's so much judgment in 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 all of mom life, unfortunately, and in the birth world. Where, you know, if we start to break those stigmas and the shame, and it's more about like empowering you to make the choice that feels right for you without shame. You know, like I know when I was really like my son, my second was breech, and people were pushing me to think about aversion, and I was like, you know what? Like no, like I'm I'm embracing that I'm gonna have a C section, and if he's still breech on the day that. I go into labor or the day that my, you know, we had a planned C-section and then of course my water broke the two days before. So he made his own decision on his birthday, but he was breached and we were having a C-section, you know? And, and there was like, there was like working through that shame of, yeah, I'm planning a C-section or yeah, I'm planning an induction or yeah, I want that epidural. And so I think it's important to also speak to that of like breaking that shame around it and being empowered to say like, this is the kind of birth that I want and I'm comfortable with that and that's okay. And then being flexible, of course, as well, even with that, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's both sides of it, but I agree with you completely. Like this is not a natural birth conversation. This is a birth conversation and there's no right or wrong way to plan your birth. And, you know, I'm the first to always say it's, it's meeting my clients where they are. So whatever it feels right for them, that is what we support them in getting and working towards. And then being flexible where they can, controlling what they can, releasing the rest is, is all about where you find your power and where you find your like mindset shift so that you can go into this as flexible and mentally ready as possible.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think just to speak to that point again about the shame surrounding, you know, not surrounding, but linked to the natural birth movement. I think that we have to separate out um, some of the systemic causes and the system-wide causes of, you know, of our maternal mortality rates, of racism, of you know, of women's suffering and interventions that are unnecessary and how the natural birth movement is a counter to that to that medical establishment that is failing women and i think it's a mm. great thing i think it's wonderful that we are we have birth workers and parents and you know everybody is speaking out about we are capable of birthing we are capable of you know of having a pregnancy and having autonomy and and we're countering that culture of mainstream medicine. However, then we have to sort of switch our lens to the individual, and I think there's a, there is balance in we can speak out against what the medical establishment is doing and how they're failing women systemically, and also say to individual birthing people, hey, however you want to do this is completely fine (laughs) because because it's your body, your birth, your baby, your choice. And And I think those two things can exist um, at the same time. But I also think it's important to always be pointing that out for the individual, that while we're speaking out against these larger issues, that it's always in support of everyone having their own choice. So that's a really beautiful. And
1: that, that whole piece of like our bodies are capable, like, I remember feeling like my body failed me or I failed because I couldn't endure the pain. And like, so I think there's there's like, it's all about taking everything, taking what you need and leaving the rest and not going to the extreme on either end of the spectrum because then it leads you to feeling like you failed, you know, like, oh, I gave in and got the epidural when I didn't want to or, you know, and I think that feeling of I failed or my body failed or the medical system failed me those are all things that lead to birth trauma and so if you're listening to this and you've already had a birth also you know we might also be speaking to a lot of people who are on their second pregnancies or their third pregnancies or multiple you know and so looking at understanding like examples of birth trauma as well of like You know, feeling like the medical system failed you, feeling like your body failed you, feeling like you failed or you caved or you didn't do what you committed to, you know, all of that is valid and what leads to birth trauma or is an example of birth trauma. And the biggest piece of it is if your birth didn't go as you expected. So, no matter what it is, you know, and then of course, we think of birth trauma, this is what most people will think of is like if you or your baby faced health scares, or you had medical complications, that, of course, is birth trauma, for sure. But I wanted to add that it's not just that, it's also like how you mentally and emotionally perceive your birth, how far from expectation your birth goes, that also creates birth trauma. So yes, it's super valid, and it is very traumatic if you have health scares, or if your baby has health scares or complications, all of that is definitely trauma. But birth not going as you planned is equally as traumatic. Mm. So I love
0: that. And I'd love to just switch gears a little bit to, to speak about how people can or how people experience trauma and how we can identify it. Because I, I'll just share my own story. I'm happy to be vulnerable Please. about that. I... I remember, it makes me laugh now, but it's not really funny. I remember going through my first birth, which I now label as traumatic. I feel safe labeling it as traumatic. And I always say to people, it's not because anything unusual happened. It was just like standard American care. was fairly traumatizing to me in my emotional state at that point. Um, But I remember at different points as my birth was just veering so far away from what I had envisioned for myself, I remember saying out loud to my mother, like, this is not traumatic. I am not, I am not traumatized. This is not traumatic. It was almost Mm -hmm. like myself just trying to convince my own mind that this was not a traumatic experience. But like hilariously, if it wasn't traumatic, I wouldn't have to say that. I don't say that just walking down the street. Like it clearly was. But like my hoping was to just like if this is You were in survival mode. And Um, I get that. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So I didn't I wonder, I mean, this is I think probably something we could speak about in the larger sense of postpartum mood disorders and experiences in the postpartum time. But specific to trauma, I think that I have a vision of it being you know, somebody like just crying all the time and and feeling, you know, trauma sounds like a crushed leg or, you know, like something just very, very, very bad. And I think I would love to hear from you since you're the expert, what does it look like? How do we know if we've been traumatized or that we have maybe signs of it, or that this is even something we should explore healing for ourselves? Because like you said, survival mode, for me, survival mode looks like, just shut down and keep going. You know, like we can't even yep. look at what happened. And it was only when I actually got to a better place emotionally, mentally, physically in my, in my life that I was able to look back and go, Oh, Oh, that was bad. You know, yep. it was almost after my V back where I had a positive birth experience that I could finally yes. look back and go, Ooh, that was actually way worse than I thought it was. Cause now I know what it can be. So mm-hmm. for people who are sitting here, maybe holding their babies or, or listening to this, I'm like, you know, maybe some things are resonating. What? How do we identify trauma in ourselves?
1: So I'm glad that you even pointed out how you were even minimizing your own experience as it was occurring, because that is number one, survival, right? It's a coping... it's a defense mechanism, which really is a coping skill survival, right? So trauma, you know, I just need to add here because my gut's just pulling me and I just always just go where my gut goes is like, you know, fight, flight or freeze. So everyone talks about fight or flight. Everyone hears about fight or flight. Most people don't talk about freeze and freeze is one of the most common responses to trauma. And so like, if in the moment you found yourself, just saying yes to all the interventions that you really didn't want and not advocating for yourself that actually could represent that you were in freeze mode and in trauma mode as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and our bodies and our minds, they go somewhere else in birth and in labor, especially in, you know, the, the end and transition and in all those phases of labor where it's like, you know, you just turn into this like kind of, I, I don't know. It's like, you're like in your body, but you're not kind of thing. And that is, how our bodies and our minds survive difficult things and so you know if you're listening to this and you're thinking like i wonder if my birth was traumatic you know examples or ways to kind of know or identify if your birth was traumatic for you and everybody's different so one person may experience the same thing as traumatic that the other person doesn't and so it's really important to know that it's what's coming up for you And that's how you determine if it was traumatic for you. So someone could have had the same birth complications with their child that I had. And it was like, okay, but my baby was okay. So I'm okay. And then for me, it was horrifically traumatic, you know? And so everybody's trauma is valid and it's not about comparing. So I'm going to start with that. Cause I think that is just like a key thing to say here is like, whatever your emotions are stirred, then it's valid for you, even if for someone else it's different. And so, you know, I find a lot of times you, you can kind of see some signs where you're talking about your birth, and then you kind of feel like no one's relating, or your friends don't get it, or they do get it, but they don't know what to say to support you, or you feel like you're, you know, anxious, sad, angry, feeling guilty, feeling shame, anything emotionally like that that's coming up when you think about your birth. And especially if you find yourself avoiding thinking about your birth altogether. And of course, in the beginning, you've got a lot going on. You're taking care of a newborn. You're figuring out feeding. You're figuring out all the pressures of, I mean, talk about social society pressure of feeding and all of that side of it. So like, you know, it it might take a little bit to get out of the new baby blur before you even think about these things or not. For some, it's right away. And they're like, oh my God, that was the most traumatic thing I've ever been through. And for others, like you said, it takes something healing to look back and realize. And so everybody's experience of trauma is different. But I would say, you know, signs are like, if when thinking about your birth, you feel sad, you feel angry, you feel like you missed out, You feel like you failed, your body failed you, the medical system failed you, you feel guilt, you feel like you didn't get what you wanted, you feel shame, or you're avoiding it, like I said. Other really important things are, you know, if you feel terrified to go through birth again even if you really want another baby and want to keep growing your family. And so a lot of people don't even necessarily notice the birth trauma until they're thinking about getting pregnant again, if they're still ready to, you know, wanting to grow their family. And then it's like, oh, do I really want to go through that? Can I go through that again? How am I going to go through that again? You know, and that fear of, you know, how am I going to make it different this time? What am I going to do differently and I wish I didn't have to birth again, you know, that is a very clear sign that there has been some birth trauma. And trauma is a continuum, just like everything else, just like with all mental health issues. You know, it's it's all about the levels of distress. However, when it comes to birth trauma, I think it's really worth healing because it's, it's our femininity, it's our body, it's how we feel about ourselves. And it also really impacts how we feel about our baby, believe it or not. And I think a lot of people shy away from owning that. Um, But like, you know, I'll be so authentic, like I'm now in pelvic floor therapy, finally post, I was waiting till COVID vaccines and I felt a little bit more comfortable to finally go and get the help I needed. But like, Birth trauma also creates physical issues where, you know, and especially if you have sexual history and then you're getting pelvic floor therapy, like all of this then can bring it back up and open it back up. And so everyone's timeline is different, everyone's journey is different. But the key is if you're feeling emotional distress in any way surrounding your history of birth or anticipation of next birth, then it is worth doing birth healing around and doing trauma work around. Wow. That's really great. I love, I love the sentiment
0: of it's going to be different at each point, you know, like it, you can feel elated and so happy your baby is in your arms two minutes after the baby comes out and then feel differently a week later and feel differently a month later and feel differently a year later. I still look back, I'm almost nine years out from my first birth and I look it. Feels different every time I look at it um, based on who I am and where I am and my healing process at that point. So, mm-hmm. so let's say we have people who have now said, oh, wow, you just listed like eight things that I'm going through. I'm kind of dreading my next pregnancy. I feel awful when I think about my birth or some variation of that. So when you say you should look into doing some birth healing work, what does that actually look like?
1: So I'm actually creating, it's it's about to be starting June 9th, which I'm really excited to be launching a birth healing, child birth healing trauma group. So I am licensed in the state of Florida. So it is a therapy group, which means I can only see people in the state of Florida because it's therapy. But for those of you who are listening who are not in Florida, you know, it's about finding a provider who specializes in trauma. And ideally, who also specializes in maternal mental health and perinatal mood disorders. It's hard to find that combo, but we do exist. And I'm one of them. And, you know, it's out there. And I think really looking for people who have the specialty in trauma makes a really big difference. Um, One of my biggest trauma specialties is EMDR, Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing Therapy. Um, And it's a really healing modality. Another one that's really healing for birth trauma is ego state intervention. So just kind of labeling and teaching you about some interventions. That way you know what to look for in providers will make a really big difference. And then providers who specialize in the maternal world, I think, make a big difference as well. And then not every provider is right for you, you know. And so I think it's important that you connect, just like we started in the beginning with, like, having a doctor that feels like, an advocate or having a midwife that feels like an advocate, same thing with therapy. If you're not connected to the person, no matter what their background and expertise, then it's not the right fit for you because the rapport or the relationship between you and your therapist is the biggest impact and the biggest indicator of feeling better and doing better in the work that you're doing so you know like the birth trauma group that i'm launching it's an eight-week series that really focuses on giving people skills and tools to reclaim their birth reclaim their story there's a lot of um to me the reason i'm doing it in group style is there's a lot of shame resilience that comes out of sharing authentically with others who've been through similar things. Because we're number one, we're breaking that comparison stuff where we're just being real and being authentic and showing up. And then the other side of the coin is like, shame comes from hiding. Shame comes from, I can't say that. My story is not big enough or bad enough or extreme enough. So like, they're gonna judge me, you know, that is what keeps us hiding that is what keeps us in trauma where if we get into a group that's safe and led by someone that's safe and you know clinically in- informed and supportive trauma wise it creates this really beautiful healing space for people to share authentically and know that their story is equally as valid as the person who in their mind had something way more extreme because it's not about comparing extremes it's about I'm in pain, you're in pain, and let's heal together. And there's this shame resiliency that is really important in healing birth trauma, especially with the birth world and the mom world that has so much shame of bringing women together to talk about their story and to share their story and to write their story and then to rewrite their story in another way, to look at it from you know, well, what went well, or what, what are you proud of? You know, there's def- lots of different points in the eight week journey that I plan to take women through to really help them heal and each week layers on itself, but it starts with coping skills. And so everyone listening, I'm going to just kind of teach a few coping skills. Cause I think that's important, whether you can find providers or not, you know, it 's really about being able to like be in your body again when we have trauma, we tend to live in our heads, we tend to even live outside of our minds and you know disassociate and disconnect to our bodies and so even just learning to be in your body, learning to breathe, learning to ground using your five senses, all of those things make a really big difference in healing your birth trauma and healing any anxiety emotion depression all of those things and there are times where medication is beneficial and that's something to talk about as well there's no shame in that either it's all about doing what's best for you and for your family and everybody's need is unique and so you know i think really being willing to talk about it is the first step with a safe shame resilience style person, because if you share it with the wrong person, and then they create that shame around it, which is probably what a lot of people have, unfortunately, it's perpetuating the cycle. And so instead, it's about finding people who are safe to share it with, who are going to not judge and accept you as you are, and then learning to accept yourself as you are, learning to forgive what happened, learning to forgive your birth story. One of the most healing things that I did for myself and what I'm including in my group Um, is having the option to explore talking to the people that were your providers about what happened. And sometimes it's possible and sometimes it's not. It depends if they're going to be a shame resilience type provider or not. But I know for me, when I shared with my midwife that the whole like pulling the drape down ready for birth and then pulling the drape right up when he wasn't breathing was extremely traumatic for me. And being able to like say that to her was so healing and i didn't even need her to respond i didn't even care how she took it it was just really healing to say like yeah that wasn't really any better than the first it was just different trauma you know and there was something really validating for me to just be able to say it out loud Mm -hmm. to her and for her to just listen and honor and hear and she's a midwife so she you know not all midwives but she was very able to hold space for, oh, wow, I didn't realize how traumatic that felt for you, you know, because everyone's focused on the baby. She was there holding my hand, being like, it's okay, I'm here, you know, and so I had the support, but it, it, it was still trauma for me, and so, you know, I think being able to also think about who do you need to talk to, what pieces of the puzzle do you want to heal, and there's no right or wrong. Some people may be like, I will never speak to my provider again, and that's okay, too, So, you know, if you hear nothing else from me today, it's there is no right or wrong way to feel. There's no right or wrong way to deal as long as you are taking good care of yourself and your baby and looking for the support that you need.
0: That's really great. I love the idea of speaking to your provider if it feels like a safe thing to do. Um, I actually ran into the midwife that like was at my first birth and then left me and and I was not very I didn't feel cared for by her at all. And she is in New York City like birthing circle. So I went to a training and she looked vaguely familiar. And I had this (sighs) ridiculously but like almost sitcom level hilarious thing where I like, I don't know, I just go up to people and introduce myself. So she looked familiar and I walked up and I'm I said, hi, I'm Caitlin. I'm a jeweler. Um, I don't know why, but you look so familiar to me. And she said, oh, well, I used to work at, you know, the place where I gave birth. And I, I had this moment, like, while holding her hand, like, oh I'm just like, God. oh, I remember who you are. I remember who you are. And, and she, that's
1: such an example of trauma that you blocked out who she even was.
0: Oh, yeah. And she goes, I can't believe I don't remember you. And I caught your <sighs> baby. And I looked at her with a smile on my face. And I was like, I had a C-section. And I walked over just like. Kind of couldn't. And then at the at the like buffet lunch or I think we had like a potluck lunch at the training, I I was next to her and I think I said something like, you know, the reason I became a doula is because of my experience. I didn't want anyone else to have that experience. Like just it was just a little. You know, I wasn't gonna go gonna go into it, but I let her know. And you know, I have empathy for her as a provider because she was in a rock in between a rock and a hard place. She was I'm guessing because she left and now has her own home birth practice. She was, I know that there were problems with the institution. So I don't, I don't hate her. I don't blame mm-hmm. her, but she still is like all wrapped up in those memories. So it's it was yep. a very funny little interaction. Um, yeah. And I recently wrote my, uh, my birth stories for uh, orgasmicbirth.com. They share birth stories. And so I wrote it out and it was such a, a cathartic experience. It was really hard though. I, I yes. was shocked at how hard it was to go back and revisit that and to recognize how much trauma still existed in me, even though I've been doing this yeah. for eight years. I've been doing this work. I'm, you know, and I'm still there was still so much inside of me, but it felt so good to get it mm. out. And I think if there's one thing that I want people to take away from this session, it is that we deserve to feel good. You know, there's this, I think there's this stigma around therapy and there's this like, oh, I don't wanna talk about my childhood and I don't wanna go on medication if I'm breastfeeding. And like, there's all these reasons not to. And and I hear you and it's valid, but for me, I just want the message to be that we deserve to feel good as women, as mothers, as parents, we deserve to feel good and if that's not convincing enough your baby deserves a mother that feels good and is yes. and is healed and is able to attend to their needs and and have this positive Place to yeah. start parenthood from, so I. Really and I'm so
1: glad that it. you said that because, like, my umbrella is the full continuum of motherhood, mm-hmm. and the the goal of everything I do is intergenerational healing. And so, if we're not healing ourselves as mothers, we're not our best selves for our kids, but we're also modeling for them. That we don't believe we're worthy of the healing and then what is that teaching our children and so and that's not to to make you feel bad It's to invite you to say I matter it's to invite you to say it's okay to take care of me It's okay to take the time and the financial investment and the emotional work and all that comes with it to make yourself a priority because that is making your kids a priority. When we feel healed and whole, we can then parent from that healed and whole perspective. And so that is why healing your birth trauma is such an important piece of this puzzle, because even subconsciously, it impacts how we feel about our relationship with our children. It impacts how we feel about our sexuality with our partner. It increases, it impacts how we feel about ourselves. And so when we really take the time to say, you know what, I'm worth it, I'm it and I'm gonna do the work to heal. And, and the, the biggest piece of this is that healing is possible. You know, like, like, it's not something that you'll never get better from, you know, there's always going to be little nuggets or little moments or little things that can still trigger that's natural and human because we have human experiences and things trigger us. But building that resiliency so that it's not throwing us off entirely is really, really valuable, both, you know, for yourself and for your children and your family.
0: so beautiful. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. And thank you for all of the work that you're doing in this area. It is so necessary and needed. Before we sign off, can you let people know how to contact you and how to reach out?
1: Of course. So my website is hughes.com and it's Marissa with one S. My mom went and spelled my name wrong, so it's confusing. So it's marissahughes.com with one S and Marissa. And you can follow me. I post most often on Instagram at repairing while parenting, and that's why I really speak to you know the whole full continuum of like we're repairing ourselves while we're parenting our children, and healing is. Where that starts and healing really is possible. So you can find me in both of those places. Um, And I look forward to speaking with anyone who this speaks to anyone who this is resonating to Even if you're just sitting there wondering like is this me can this be supported, you know reach out to me I really love talking about this. I'm very passionate about educating about this and you know If I make a difference in one person's life, then that means that this was worth it. So to me, you know I would love to hear from anyone who's listening to this, who this is resonating with. So please reach out.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much, Marissa. And thank you everybody for listening. Catch us next time on the Be Her Village podcast.